0: here.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Steven Edwards. Hello. Welcome to Arash's World. Good morning, Ross. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. So um, briefly, how would you describe yourself? Because you've got many talents. So I'd really like to know how you would describe yourself here briefly.
0: Uh, multi-hyphenate. Uh, exactly. I do a lot of different things. I really started off as a, uh, a, a keyboardist, a pianist, And uh, back in the 90s, got into writing original music for visual media for mostly movies and TV shows. So I've been doing that pretty much ever since. And then in my 50s, decided I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, direct documentary films. I made a film called Requiem for My Mother, which was about my late mother, about a piece of music that I wrote in honor of her when she passed away in 2004. Um, And she was a choir director. And it turns out the movie took place in Vatican City because the choir flew to Rome to perform his piece, long story short. And also in the middle of that, I became a citizen of Italy because my mother was my late, my late mother was Sicilian. And so then uh, this story sort of fell into my lap completely by mistake, almost happenstance serendipity. Uh, I saw a Facebook post about it and I was fascinated. And I, the first thing I said was, oh, I wanna watch that documentary. So I went to Hulu, Netflix, um amazon sort of all the usual suspects and i said oh this film's going to be somewhere i'm going to watch it it looks fascinating it takes place in rome and there was nothing i couldn't i couldn't believe it mm-hmm. and literally in a span of a minute made a life decision to make this film myself
1: yeah and then good thing you did syndrome k we're talking about it's okay. a fascinating moving, uplifting, also uh, inspiring uh, documentary. Um, so um, how would you describe it? I have three doctors try to preserve life no matter what the cost. That's my brief definition of it. But uh, let's go into detail about it it's because it, it is quite, quite thrilling. And I had never heard of this before previously. So I wonder if that's, that's common like, and why, you know? But let's, let's get into it, yeah.
0: Well, it's extremely common. Um, that no one that no one's heard the story before this is one of those world war ii secret stories Mm. um you know and this takes place in rome in the jewish ghetto which is right kind of in the city center of rome it's been there for two thousand years and we actually went to the jewish ghetto and filmed some um some survivors and we talked to elders in the jewish ghetto that had never heard this story that Mm -hmm. happened literally in their backyard so you know you come to america and you're you know, 6,000 miles away, of course, you know, it's very, very unusual if somebody's heard this story. And it's usually because they saw something about my doc. You know, it's one it, of those it sounds
1: like fiction. So uh, can yes. you explain to our, uh, our listeners? here yeah, uh, what syndrome K is? In, sure. uh, yeah,
0: syndrome K is a fake disease made up by three doctors in a Catholic hospital that saved Roman Jews from being deported to Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, it's a fake disease, fake charts, fake symptoms, admitted them to the hospital, had a wing. They told the SS they couldn't go in the wing. It was too dangerous. They didn't want to get sick. They didn't want to deport them because they didn't want to put them on trains and get the staff at Auschwitz sick, which is the most twisted thing ever since usually they mostly immediately killed anybody that went there. But uh, they were scared of it. So they stayed away. And so it was a success and- ruse.
1: And the hospital was the Fatih Bene Fratelli, Do Good Brothers. These are yeah. Catholic priests who um, also put their lives in danger to to help um, to help the these um, the Jewish people here. And what I find fascinating is because they knew what they were talking about. So when they created this disease, it makes sense and it fooled the Germans. And the Nazis are are known to be very methodical, um, uh, very smart, they're systematic. They know like things
0: but they were afraid and they bought it for the longest time too they, they believed did. it they did and uh you know the price for being wrong when you're dealing with the ss is death mm-hmm. pretty much instant like uh, there's a there's a anecdote that i didn't include in my film but um you know rome got really desperate during the nazi occupation that little nine-month period uh it, it was like a third world country there was no food it was just a not a fun place to be and there was an instance where, where 10 Italian mothers broke into an SS bakery and stole wheat flour to make bread for their own families. And when the SS found out, they lined them up in front of the Tiber and machine gunned them all, you know. Oh so, so this is what, you know, I use that as an example because this is what would have happened to the staff at the hospital had they found out this mm-hmm. ruse. They would have, first of all, taken all the Jews and deported them, for sure. And they probably would have killed the entire staff of the hospital. So. The danger that they faced every day, I can, it's hard to even imagine now, because you know, when, you're, when you're living a lie, you have to support the lie. You have to support it with medical evidence. They had Nazi doctors go in and check charts and uh, you know, the doctors had to make up a, 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 a convincing story and, then, and the patients had to show convincing symptoms.
1: One of the uh, most impressive parts was, and I wish he had footage of it, is where they pretend to be sick and they start coughing, right? And all the patients. So when the Nazis come in, then they cough. And I think we can really relate to this, to this now with like COVID, because now when we see people coughing, we kind of stay away from them. So the, the, the Germans actually were scared of, of catching that disease. And so it really helped. It was to the benefit of, uh, of the whole situation that they did.
0: Especially when they said, you know, there's no cure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's uh, you
0: what know, And 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 the, the the SS was kind of a notorious. They were sort of OCD clean feet for yes, example, yes. Right. It look was, at their uniforms. Was, yes. yeah. Look at the way they sort of lived their lives. So it, it definitely. And they thought Jews were dirty anyway. Hmm. no
1: in a way they thought they're gonna die anyway this is a jewish disease so let them right and that again helped uh in in this situation and what i also found very stunning was there was a moment where there was this hand of god can you maybe talk about that Where the nazis were coming and the the uh the catholic priests actually had radios they were like revolutionaries
0: oh yeah (laughs) the
1: resistance there (laughs) they
0: they didn't mess around you know i met them in person what i'll tell you about them is they took no gruff from anybody. And, you know, I always figured them flipping the bird to the Nazis because I kind of think that's what they did in the period. You know, they just, there was no love lost whatsoever with these guys Mm -hmm. and uh, they did whatever they had to do to fool them. You know, they were occupying their town and they were killing their citizens. So uh, anything they could do, you know, they had clandestine radios in the hospital. Mm -hmm. They had, they were, you know, it was an operational facility that was, uh, resistance, you know, and Dr. Osicini, the main doctor that I interviewed that I met in person was, you know, beaten by the Gestapo and still had bruises 75 years later, something wrong with his ribs. I mean, he, you know, he had permanent damage from these guys. So, uh, but stood up to them and basically beat them at their own game, which I think is just so amazing.
1: At the same time, they defied orders because they did not check and consult with the Vatican. Is that correct? So they, they did their own thing. <laughs>
0: they did. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, speculation about how that actually worked. But, you know, there were so many, you know, if you think about the, you know, the Italian Jews as, a, as an entire population, if you take the whole country, there's a, a statistic like 80% of the Italian Jews survived the Holocaust. That's amazing. Oh, and if you look at Poland and you look at the numbers there, it's hard to even comprehend. I mean, it's millions of people were, were slaughtered. So Italy did relatively better. And a lot of that has to do with the Italian people saying, you know, look, those are our people, you know, screw you. You can't take them. And if you're going to try to take them, we're going to hide them. You know, there are people hiding in the Pope's castle. Uh, castle Gandolfi, I think it's called. It's where it's basically Camp David for the Pope. So literally in his own residence, there were Jews hiding. So, just to you know. point
1: out, the hospital is right next to the Jewish ghetto, so that right. kind of facilitated things to, to, to help them and to, to hide them. Yep. But they also falsified documents, which I find with well, the seal of the Vatican, which I find, again, fascinating, too. Like, the, the amount of power that the, the Vatican has comes also to light here in yep. this situation.
0: And just don't mess with us. And, yeah, you know exactly. Think about, like, think about pope, pope Pius XII, who was mm. the reigning pope during, during the whole World War II. You know, there he is sitting in the Vatican. He had no army. You know, there was 1,500 SS troops inside the city walls of Rome, which is like, you know, smaller than downtown L.A.
1: Mm
0: The Vatican City is like an 18-hole golf course. It's a tiny little place. Um, And so, you know, he has no army, so he has to fight with other means. And obviously, Mm -hmm. fighting against the best trained, most ruthless soldier ever invented in human history, Mm -hmm. arguably. Mm -hmm ruthless and capable of atrocities at the blink of a hat like you and i you know eat a bagel right it's just they do stuff that we can't even imagine so that threat is always ever present and uh in spite of that you know i've I've talked to plenty of people that said you know there were jewish couples living in in seminaries so the the husband would live with the priests and the wife would live with the nuns right and they would just you know they just they just wrote it out, you know. So it's it's amazing what they did and the risk they took. Yeah.
1: And I I, I was thinking like maybe you can explain what the K stands for. My first impression before watching the documentary was Kafka. Right,
0: right. right. But
1: but it wasn't.
0: Well, again, you know, again, thinking of the Italians flipping the bird at the Nazis, yes. it was definitely to get in their get in their kitchen a little bit because K stood for Kesslering, who was the who was uh, Hitler's main general who sent in the occupying forces into Rome, and also Kepler. Kepler was the head of the SS in Rome, uh, a ruthless, you know, basically serial, multi-serial killer who was uh, responsible for a lot of massacres. So it was and it was also um, there's a couple of medical terms it was named after, so it was kind of this nebulous K. K isn't really a letter in Italian, apparently. They don't use it very much.
1: Oh, they don't use it much. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: I don't speak the language so I I don't have expertise there but uh, yeah so they just just gave it this name but I think it was mostly uh, you know a bird flip to Kepler and Kessler. Mm
1: -hmm. And I didn't know your your background with with Italy that you are a citizen there too so that kind of gives it also personal dimension uh, to the whole story and why also you um, you went after this story which is fascinating on its own but there's a personal aspect as well too right?
0: Absolutely absolutely and you know, just but like my family connection. Um, my mother was Sicilian, um, and my kids actually have uh, have uh, red passports too. So it's it's kind of a you know kind of a cool thing to have. So
1: nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the score, by the way, is amazing.
0: Thank I you. Who
1: wrote the score? <laughs>
0: well, it's funny. You know, I hired myself, yeah. and uh, I made a joke with the orchestra, and I said, you know, if this if this music is terrible, I have no one to blame but myself, and. My editor, Greg Hunter, I had to bounce stuff off of him because, you know, I'm writing it for like I'm writing a score for a movie right now while I'm working with the director and I send him cues. And he mm-hmm. says, oh, this play, you know, this part's too emotional or it's not emotional enough or it's too tense and you know, I don't want to be tense." So, like he gives me notes like that. Mm-hmm. And I basically had to give myself notes. Uh-huh. Um, Wait, were you really, tough on yourself? I was. <laughs> yeah. I was. I threw out my own music on a couple of occasions. <laughs> and when I, you know, sometimes I had to watch the whole thing. I'm like, oh, that cue's too busy. And I'd rewrite mm-hmm. it. So I would, I actually did do that several times. And the cool part was I decided that since it's a World War II story, I integrated world orchestras. So Moscow Symphony plays on our, our score, Rome, Prague, Belgrade, London, and Hollywood. Wow, very international. So yeah, yeah. This is really cool. I mean, it's, I forget nobody's ever done it before, and it's going to cost me close to the same. If I just hired one orchestra, let's just do something cool with it and let everybody contribute. Mm -hmm. So
1: I I also want to look at what's happening right now. I mean, when you made it, that was last year, I believe, documentary. But now this year, again, COVID was happening at the time. And also um, Ukraine, what's happening in Ukraine. So a lot of the things, this is also very timely in its own way of uh, what it brings to light. And one of the quotes that was mentioned twice, but it's really important, was bravery always wins. And I want to really focus on that in light of what's happening
0: in the world right now isn't it I mean, it's talk about just like sitting in front of dr ozachini is sitting across the table from me and he says that uh, and uh i don't speak italian but i knew what he was saying you know like the passion that guy had no. it was so cool sitting in front of him i tr- you know i've got my picture with him like you know i'm a fanboy right like <laughs> like you know i'm meeting a, meeting tom hanks or something you know <laughs> um, and just you know just the uh you know the sheer Uh, guts and will and determination that all these people had to save people they didn't know Mm -hmm. and to risk theirs and their families' lives Mm -hmm. and to do it right in you know right under the nose of the ss and completely fool them Mm -hmm. is just i mean talk about the greatest elevator pitch of all time you know three doctors make up a fake disease that fooled the SS, like the greatest villains in the history of cinema, got anybody with a swastika, like forget it, he's the villain. There's just no, there's no two ways about it. So um, again, I just couldn't believe that I happened on the story and here I am in California, you know, 75 years after it happened. And there's still some people that survived that were talking about it that I could talk to.
1: And the good news is you can't hide these things sooner or later they come out and we see that in the, throughout history and many, many things that are happening now it's like we uncover history, yep. and all the bad things as well the dark side of, uh, yeah. of things that happen but also. Uh, uplifting news and information like this one and your documentary I really liked also it gives us the background information with footage like documentary footage and like news footage and so on um, so I was wondering is there uh
0: maybe uh, an idea of making a film out of it because you would make an excellent film 100 <laughs> percent yeah yes so we have a script Uh, And we actually have a Zoom call this week with with a director who is taking great interest in making this film. So we get a director first, then we get cast, then we get money is kind of the way we're doing it. Yes,
1: stuff like I want to
0: see that as yeah, well. I, honestly, I made the documentary, and I said, you know, the film will be better than the documentary. Because um, what was uh, slightly lacking is I, I'd like to see the patients
1: and yeah, how yeah. they fool, and just see the faces of the Nazis who fall for it, and the doctors who are like lying to them straight into their face and uh, trying not to smile. You know, I'd but, like to uh, see that.
0: And You know, the Kapler is the perfect villain. Yeah, you, know, you, you can yeah. pick what he looks like. Um, what's his name played? Richard Burton actually played Kepler in a movie 40 years ago um, and was amazing in it. So yeah, I mean, this lends itself to a a feature film. I mean, it's a no-brainer. We just got to get the right team in place and we're going to make the film. Wonderful. So So the
1: documentary.
0: Just the irony of making a documentary about a fake disease in the middle of a pandemic can't be- I know, I know, I, <laughs> that totally
1: resonated with me. And yeah. I, I just like, that's also courageous in, in, in its own way. And, uh, and by
0: the way, when I interviewed Dr. Ozicini, this was, uh, it was April of 18. This was COVID wasn't even okay. talked about yet. But then obviously we put the film together and, and everything changed.
1: Yeah, yeah one of the things I also remembered I watched like it was because of the Spanish flu and there was a documentary I watched in 2019 and they said okay well 100 years ago and so we hope there's not another uh, pandemic and the next year it happened <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, just crazy. quite quite uh, stunning wonderful documentary I, I highly recommend it it's uh, Syndrome K uh, Stephen Edwards you're the composer and the director of the film thank you very much for this wonderful documentary and uh, I recommend everyone to watch it it's uh, it's it's so a, it's a lesson in history and uh it shows us heroic uh bravery here uh people who risk their lives to help others i mean that's just wonderful and, and a big thank you to these three doctors and everybody else who uh, who did this who took those steps to um to save others
0: absolutely absolutely
1: thank you so much for being on rash's world and uh look forward to the movie
0: thanks rash so much nice to meet you
1: nice to meet you